All right. That's it. The music ends abruptly, and we start. That's how it goes around here. Welcome to Careless Whispers, ladies and gentlemen. This is CLNS Radio. My name is Matt Rory. I'm here with Calvin Chamberlain. There's no BS on this show except for the next 90 minutes. And uh, Calvin, hello, sir. Welcome to the week. Hello. We we skipped a week, and we're back two weeks later. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, Yeah, we're uh, we're unprofessional, as we always are. That's part of the show. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that's right. And uh, if anybody out there, new listeners, anything like that, I doubt it tonight, but we'll see. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe we got some secret people listening out there. 323-642-1484 is the phone number where you can reach us. And we just bring anybody and everybody on. And uh, if you make us look like fools, then we'll just forget about it. That's about it. Um, No big deal. No big deal going on anywhere in the world of sports. Anywhere. There's no big deals happening. No, nothing, nothing big. Nothing to speak of, as far as I, I'm concerned. You know, you know, we're like an NBA-focused podcast for the most part, and there's really nothing going on in the NBA right now, right? There's literally nothing. We thought about canceling the show. There's, there's nothing yeah. going on. Is, bas- is, is basketball being played right now? I don't know. Nothing exciting, anyway, especially around here in Boston. I don't know. I don't know about where, where you are in Los Angeles. I, I think there's probably not much going on out there either, but wait a minute. You know, <laughs> I don't know. You're a, you're a, uh, a semi UNC guy. I forgot to ask you, dude. You, you know, <laughs> the final four is coming up. That's going to, it's going to be over by the time we do our next show. You, you want right. to get any thoughts in on the, uh, the North Carolina or, or any, uh, I'll, just, I'll, I'll just say that North Carolina has gotten further than uh, I expected them to. I had them getting knocked out early in the tournament. And, um, as far as my allegiances are concerned, I, I definitely uh, lean Florida State at this point. I have to. It's my alma mater, not my father's. But there's always going to be a soft spot for North Carolina in my heart. And uh, I hope they do well, you know. As I pick the Spurs as my second team in the NBA to, to the Celtics, uh-huh. I would have to say now Carolina is the second team for me in college basketball to Florida State, even though Florida State is nothing special at all. They they, they ha- never have been, really. Uh, but they did give us Sam Cassell, and he's a NBA champion for the Boston Celtics. So thank you very much. And Dave Cowens for that. Let me, ask you, let me ask you this question. if if Because uh, this has been thrown around. If Gonzaga wins the national championship, does that make them the greatest mid-major school of all time? They probably already are, right? I, 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 I mean, I can't. I mean, with, with, the counter-argument has been, like, Boise State in football. Or like Butler in basketball almost. Like Butler, yeah. Not, I guess not as consistent as Gonzaga has been over the past 20 years or whatever. I think if they win the title, it, it locks them up. But I mean, right now you have to you have to put them up there anyway. Wasn't Villanova like a mid-major before, before they joined the Big Ten? Am I being am I inaccurate about that? Or the Big Ten? Yeah, whatever. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. The Atlantic Ten, that's what I meant to say. Because like UMass won that 10. national championship with Mark Camby. Marcus Camby, Mark Camby. I'm just messing up a little bit. I don't know if you want to count them. Like Memphis got to the final with Calipari, right? My thing about Gonzaga is like, even if they win the national championship, I almost feel like they need they need that one guy who's like, who becomes good in the NBA. So 
because that guy could be like the flag bearer for the school. Right now, it just, I don't know, it feels sort of like all these guys are, Gonzaga feels like like a bit of a paper tiger to me just because like nobody's ever trained. And it's really Adam Morrison's fault, if I'm being honest, because I just think of Adam Morrison when I think of Gonzaga. <laughs> it's hard for me to like take them too seriously. Uh. But I just, but even, but, but even beyond him, like they've been good forever, right? But like they haven't had that one guy outside of John Stockton, but he doesn't count, right? Because like that was before Gonzaga was Gonzaga, right? They've they've never, they've never like had that guy, like Ronnie Turioff. It's like okay, whatever. Right? <laughs> there's all these there's all these guys that roll through the NBA and, and sort of flame out at some point. I mean, but uh, you never know. They have a good they have a good team. They have a good organization down there as far as their, their year in year out. They're always going deep into the tournament. So, um, but that's not what we're here to talk about. I, I, no. That was a mislead there. That was a misdirection by us in the first few minutes yeah. of the show. It's pretty rare that we do something hey. like that. Usually lasts a little, bit, every week. a little bit less time. Usually our our misdirections are like a minute and a half, two minutes. We're, we're a good five minutes in right now, and we're still talking about something we didn't even plan on talking about. Um, because nope. obviously, I, I said earlier there's nothing going on in the NBA. That was, that was a lie. Uh, the Celtics are in first place outright ahead of Cleveland. And more importantly, Calvin, Kyrie Irving is very upset about it. Very, very upset. Did you see him after they lost to the Spurs last night? No, I did see little LeBron. I did not see Kyrie. Yeah, Kyrie stayed in the arena afterwards to make, to work on his jump shot. He was the, the only one down there, aside from the people that were trying to do their work cleaning up the court. He was shooting and shooting, and directly after the game, he, he put his head on, on LeBron's shoulders, and LeBron consoled him after that tough loss to the Spurs. Poor Kyrie, realizing that the earth really is not flat. That was the moment right there. I think he realized it. Like the basketball bounced and went, went in a direction it shouldn't have gone in. <laughs> he realized that the curvature of the earth was affecting ball trajectory. Uh, right. I'm not sure if he could work on that jump shot to like his heart content. His heart's content, right? He could perfect that jump shot. And I'm still not sure that it's going to help the Cavaliers fix what ails them. And unless he starts working on, you know, getting into a crouch and putting his hands up, uh, it's not really going to make a difference, right? Because I don't know, did you see any of that game at all against the Spurs? Or at least, like, the sports center highlights? Uh, I I caught a little bit during the middle of it, just before halftime. I feel like their, their defense right now is reaching, like, embarrassing level. And, like... We, you know, we did a post-game show together a couple of days ago, so uh, we don't need to get too rehashy on, on on the Celtics per se. Although this is this conversation is going to include them a little bit, but it's like I, I guess what I'm getting at is like this is the sort of debate that seems to be like swirling constantly around this team about like whether or not the the, the second the playoffs start they're going to flip that switch, and I've sort of been on the bandwagon that I that I don't necessarily think that they have, like, they don't have the switch the way they had it in, in other years. You know what I mean? Like, I think that they'll, stu- they'll still have a certain level of uh, playing a lot better. Clearly, like, I, you know, watching the games, you see, like, the way LeBron is playing defense. People are, like, destroying him. I don't necessarily think it's going to happen in the playoffs. 
But I do wonder, like, some of the other guys on this team, like, they don't have anybody to defend anybody. You know? Are you... Like Are you just trying to yeah. to go to revert back to your take from a month or two ago in in that the uh, the Cavs are going to fall off the face of the earth at some point they're going to fall off a cliff and the Celtics are waiting to capitalize on that are you are you going to try and put yourself up on a pedestal here Oh yeah I'm bringing that back I'm I'm saying uh-huh. that's what I'm saying this is it. I'm saying This is it you've been he the, ladies and gentlemen Calvin Chamberlain or whatever your name is has been calling this for the last three months, I would say that at some point LeBron James is going to fall apart and the Cavs are going to fall apart and someone is going to be there to take over and make their way to the NBA finals. And uh, the Celtics have put themselves in a wonderful position to do so as the number one seed in the East currently with just nine or 10 games to play, just a, a few weeks left here in the regular season. So the Celtics are primed to knock the Cavs off of their perch right here and that's when what you just said comes into play can the Cavs flip a switch can they play like the championship team that they have shown that they are in the past year or two and I don't know it's possible that that they can but I I don't know if they're going to be able to sustain that for the entire playoff run so the first round they might they might do really well, right? And then the second round might be a little bit tougher for them. By the time they get to the Eastern Conference Finals, if a team like the Celtics is waiting for them and they're healthy, I'm starting to like the Celtics' chances as well. Here's the thing, Ray. Okay, like everyone just assumes they're, they're going to flip the switch, and they will. They, they will flip a switch. I'm not saying they won't be better in the playoffs. They'll they'll certainly be better. And like everyone also assumes, okay, well. Uh, yeah, I heard the stat that they're like 29th in points in the paint right now, and they're just like taking an outrageous amount of threes. And like when the playoffs start and the games slow down, it's just going to be like a lot of LeBron like posting up and taking people off the dribble and scoring. Like that's fine. I be- I believe that, and I believe that he could do that. I'm not, and and that will make the Cavaliers better. But the, what I am questioning though is, are we sure, Rory? Are we are we sure? that LeBron is still a great defensive player? Are we sure? Because he's been, no. to my mind, he's been terrible this year. Like, I feel like this is like an underreported secret in the NBA. Like, he has not been a good defensive player at all. And nobody on that team has been a good defensive player. But people don't want to say it because, like, because obviously, you know, LeBron is just is this sacred cow. I just wonder if, like, this team can be outscored. I feel like they can be outscored. And if they're not hitting three, now they can win any game by hitting enough threes in the playoffs. There's no question about that. But if but if they're not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure they can win a defensive battle. And, and you know, so Grant, isn't uh, isn't isn't that the reason Golden State lost last year because they were the team that was going out there and, and relying on threes more often than not. And when their offense didn't show up, it was the Cavs defense that really stepped up and, and made that, that thing happen. And then down the stretch, of course, Kyrie Irving was incredible last season uh, in the finals, but it, they're going to have to repeat something similar to that to even get there this time, it seems because uh, the Celtics definitely look like they're primed and ready to, to make some noise in the playoffs here. And if they don't, then I still believe in, in a team like Toronto or even Washington to give the Cavs some trouble. And if, if this Toronto team, 
meets I mean I'm not I don't want to be a homer here so I'm going to talk about Toronto as well if this Toronto team meets the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals and they're healthy with Lowry back and all of that after having gone through what they went through last year against the Cavs I would tend to think that they should be a team that the Cavs should be worried about as well and it just it seems to me like the the, the road to the NBA Finals is not as easy for LeBron James as it has been in the in the past few years even when he was with Miami so uh, I just, I, I, I think that there, you, you might be onto something here and I'm going to take a seat in the, in the middle of the bandwagon, if that's okay with you. No, that's, that's fine by me. Yeah. And I'm not saying like, Oh, I'm not saying they can't make the playoffs. I'm not saying, I mean, the finals, I'm not saying they're done, but what I'm saying is, is they're, they're beautiful. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure that they can be much better than average, even if they, even if they flip that defensive switch, okay, and they all start trying hard. Because the thing about flipping the switch is, is like, LeBron is a prideful dude, right? They've, they've gotten, we're, we're in the month of, what month is this now? March? Late March? We're, we're in the month of March, yeah. and the Cavaliers are 7-10 and 10 in March. And yeah, okay, you go, oh, well, they don't really care uh, about that first seed, although you said, you know, Kyrie was pretty bad about it. Yeah, I'm sure they don't care that much about the first seed, but they probably do care about the fact that they're playing horrible down the stretch of the season. In you know what I mean, in March, in the fact that they haven't really, they haven't, they played terribly in basically the entire second half of the season. They've had little stretches where they played well, but a lot of that was based on schedule. But if you just take it as a bigger picture, like they've not played well at all. And I'll grant you, you know, they didn't have Kevin Love for a lot of that, and he's sort of working his way back into health. But he's not going to fix your defensive issues. I just, I just wonder, like, just because LeBron is such a prideful guy, we haven't seen those nights, in, in like we did in previous seasons, where like, yeah, the Cavaliers would struggle for periods of time, right? And then there would be that game where the LeBron would just remind everyone that he's still LeBron. When was the last time like LeBron reminded you that he's still LeBron? I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, there were, there were some flashes in that San Antonio game last night, but not much because the team overall. Was was just downtrodden. So he, I mean, he tried to get them going at so at one point. He he scored seventeen points in that game. I don't know if you saw. Did you see that sequence where uh, where uh, Kawhi Leonard stole the ball from LeBron, went went down to the other end, asked Tony Parker for a dunk, so and it went back to the other end, and, and uh, Kawhi went back and blocked LeBron, and then went back to the other yes. end and like <laughs> took LeBron off the dribble like he was standing you know, blocks of concrete and then dunked on somebody, uh, Tristan Thompson, I think, after LeBron just got destroyed. Yes, I did see that sequence, and that was definitely a sign of vulnerability. But there, there was also a, a one a one-play sequence, which is not a sequence at all, obviously, where he went coast-to-coast coast and had a thunderous dunk over Pau Gasol. So uh, he, can, he can still get up over the old men, and it's not it, – I'm not talking about – no, no, I'm not saying he sucks or that like. He can't no, do I that. know you're not. I know, but you are. You were asking yeah. if there were moments where he, you could still see that he's LeBron James, and it, I'm I mean, saying that yes, there are. They are there, no, but no. they're few and far between. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you, but they're still there. I don't mean moments. I mean, I mean games. Like, when was the last time LeBron had like his, his like, you know, 38, 38 and ten with eight assists game to you know dominate one of the best teams in the NBA? That's what I'm asking. Like we, you'd have to you have to go back to like Christmas, right? 
if you go back, like maybe there was one in it's, January. Was it's been a while, but I mean, those? but yeah. if you, but if you're going to look at stats across the board, he's still a, a top ten NBA player, and pro, I mean, most people would consider him to be a top five player, right? I, 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 I think that I would start pushing these other guys up ahead of him: the James Hardens, the, the Russell Westbrooks, Anthony Davis. I mean, we're talking about Steph Curry. All these guys are getting themselves to be up ahead of LeBron James. Leonard is right there. Uh, with LeBron, and mm-hmm. if you're looking at pure numbers, I, I just I feel like he's still a top ten guy. So I'm not well, I would, and even without the numbers, he's up there. And as far as looking forward to the future's concerned, sure, you want a guy like Carl Anthony Towns instead. You want Antetokounmpo. You want a, a whole slew of players on down the list uh, that are are playing well this year ahead of him. But for right now, right in the moment, for a playoff series, I. I I would still have to believe that he can turn it on uh, like he has in, in the past until he shows that he can't. And I think I'm taking the Tom Brady approach to, to LeBron James at this point, Calvin, because uh, I've gotten to the point where some of these guys that have dominated their entire careers, uh, until, until they, you see that season where they really fall off a cliff, I, I, I'm going to believe going into the, the situation whatever it may be, NBA Finals, NBA Playoffs, Super Bowl, whatever it is, that that, that person that's proven themselves in the past is going to do it again. So uh, I'm not picking against LeBron James, but the rest of the Cleveland, uh, Cleveland Cavs are not really showing us much recently to, to think that they can sustain a playoff run and go to the NBA Finals again, especially when the Celtics are playing as well as they are. And when, like I said, Toronto is still a formidable opponent, even though they are fight, fighting for the three seed right now. Rui, if LeBron is a top ten guy, to my, in my mind, the, the Cavaliers have no chance of winning. The, the, the idea, in the, the premise in which like the Cavaliers are going to flip the switch and be fine is the idea that so we've sort of seen from LeBron in the last couple of years, where like uh, you know, there's always the the argument from idiots who are like, oh, LeBron should win the MVP every year. Which is like it's inaccurate, right? Because like even though yep. he's been the best player in the league, oh, like you have to, you have to, you can't just be the best player. You have to also play the best, right? This is a, this argument against like it, it, it's stupid to go like oh we we'll just give someone the automatic MVP. No, you have you have to go out there on the court and actually be the MVP. The fact that you like are capable of, of reaching the highest heights doesn't mean anything in terms of that. But in terms of of like what your chances are in the playoffs, it does mean everything because LeBron is sort of uh, you know, let's say he's 10% coasted in the regular season in order to save himself up for these monumental playoff performances the last couple of years. If what you're saying is he's a, he's a top 10 player in the league and, and there are guys who've surpassed him, the Cavaliers are, aren't going to win and they'll probably be beaten by by another team. The idea yeah, that they right. like the, the, if if he's still actually the best player in the NBA and he's just like taking his foot off the gas and and we'll see it and he'll become the best player, you know, in the league again and carry them uh on his back the way he's done the you know, the last uh three years in Cleveland and uh, again the way he did to right. uh, a different degree in Miami, yeah, then the Cavaliers have a chance of at least getting to the final. So, but if you're talking about best players in the league and who, who he's going to lose to, something like that, then you're not you're not really looking at the Eastern Conference. You're still assuming, not you, but the general idea would be that he would still be the player to come out of the Eastern Conference, and you'd have to, and he would have to go through a guy like James Harden from Houston or uh, Leonard in 
San Antonio or Curry slash Durant in Golden State. Uh, I mean, even who knows? Maybe maybe Oklahoma City can find a way to, to get there. Wouldn't that be something? I highly doubt it from them. But Russell Westbrook is in the the the, the case for MVP as as well. So those guys are on the Western Conference. Can you name an, another Eastern Conference MVP candidate besides LeBron James? I don't think I can. What about Isaiah Thomas? I'm not going there. I won't go no, there. Nice. I try to give you some bait. I, I, no, I won't go there. And, and while he's having an insane season as far as scoring is concerned, anybody that knows the Celtics realize, realizes that they still base their team on defense and ball movement. And the, even though he scores 30 points a game, 29 points a game, he also gets six assists a game, which is, aside from Westbrook and Harden, there aren't many guys that are scoring that many points a game and getting those many that, or that many assists. Like, you're looking at Lillard. LeBron James is a little bit further down that list as far as scoring is concerned, and he gets almost nine assists a game. But Isaiah does distribute the ball as much as people knock him for being a shooter. He's just a great scorer. And the Celtics have won games recently because of their defense and also because they have other guys that have been kind of scoring for them throughout the season. So I feel like this is more of a team situation than an MVP leading the, the way situation. And honestly, as much credit as Thomas deserves for his amazing regular season, he's got to prove it in the playoffs. It's a different game. And if, if you're ready to anoint him MVP for the regular season, then that I, I understand that's fine. But if I had a vote, which clearly I don't, I have no, I have no credibility to be able to vote for that and probably never will. But, I, I would tend to lean towards uh, a guy that's cle- clearly leading the way for his team, and that's that's where I look to Harden and Westbrook, uh, and Leonard is a guy too because the drop-off between Leonard and the next best player, whoever you think it is on the Spurs, is I think a little bit bigger than it is from Thomas to Bradley, for example. I mean, it's a Marcus Aldridge, right? So. It's interesting that you went Bradley second and not Horford. Horford, too. Either way, I, I put them sort of up there. Horford's been incredible for the last couple of weeks. But if you're trying to rank players, in my mind, it's as far as MVP and importance is concerned, I'm, I'm going with with Thomas first, Bradley second, and, and Horford right there at number three. And he's contributed quite a bit to the Celtics offense, but that's, again, more of the team concept. He's not... He's not a guy that really needs to, to be the focal point, the center of attention, like some of the other guys I just mentioned. All right, fair enough. In any case, uh, Boston is, is past Cleveland for the number one seed. Uh, I, may, I think I asked you this on the, pad, on the podcast the other day, but like, do you, do you think this is important at all, or it's not really that important? Um, I, I mean, I like it, but I think ultimately if the Cavs are going to flip that switch and they're going to be the team that can go to the finals because they're just better than everybody, then it's not going to matter where the game is in game seven. I just don't think the Celtics have the, have the toughness and the players, the, the big bodies to be able to sustain a seven game series against a team like that. That's been there before. That's going to get the calls. I don't expect any of the referees to be on the Celtics side at this point. So I think a lot of it might even be out of their hands and maybe that's the pessimist in me, but I just, I, again, until it, I'm going to be surprised if, if the Celtics find a way to beat Cleveland in the playoffs, if they get to that point, 
So I, I'm admitting it now. Like I will be surprised. <laughs> I don't expect it to happen. If it happens, I'll be ha- pleasantly surprised. So I don't know. But Calvin, we we actually have a caller at three two three six four two one four eight four, and Very I much. think that it's yeah. I I don't. I think I was poor at uh, communicating the fact that we have a different phone number than the regular CLNS radio. The post-game shows have a phone number that people are probably used to, but our phone number is very special. It's one in in and of itself. It's ours. It's only ours. Again, 323-642-1484. And it's Sam in San Diego, Calvin, a guy that we have not heard from, but we we do love to hear from him. Sam, what's going on? Hey, what's up, guys? Um, I wanted to give my take, and I also had a question for Calvin. you know, I, I'm excited about the number one seed, but not because I think that we can beat Cleveland. I, just because, you know, it does give us a chance to go further. I do think that Toronto is going to fall into the four spot. I'm sorry, I'm sorry into the three spot, and, and we'll face Washington in that second round, um, assuming we get past that first round, obviously. But, um, you know, the, the more games we can win, the further we can get into the playoffs. Uh, we're not going to go from not winning a, a series to – to getting through the East in, in my estimation. But, you know, the, the, the further we can get, the better it's going to be for, for everybody, uh, including players like Jalen Brown, who'll just get more uh, confidence. And, and, you know, every playoff game, especially an Eastern Conference playoff game, has got to be like equal to 10 regular season games in terms of the amount of focus um, and, and, uh, and and amount of learning you get out of it. So, so how, how, do you guys, how do you guys feel about uh, the idea that, the Celtics would be under more pressure as a as a one seed, and that they may they may fold a la Dallas uh, those years ago uh, as the one seed to Dikembe Mutombo. Oh no, that was the Seattle, but Dallas fell as well more recently. Who do they play? I can't even remember. I'm sorry. Either way, does the pressure of being okay. a one seed matter, and will the Celtics be able to step up and and take take that pressure and run with it? Uh, I don't think so, and the reason I don't really think so is because if, if the Celtics do get the one seed, it'll be determined, you know, on the, the last game of the season or with a couple games left. I, I think when, when, usually when a team, like, crumbles to sort of the pressure of expectations, it's because expectations have been built up over time. You know, like last year's Warriors team that went 72-10, and 10, there, there was enough time for, like, you know, articles and think pieces and, like, your Charles Barkley's and, you know, how is this team going to perform in the playoffs? Because of the the crunch and the way it's all pushed together, and the other thing is because the Cavs have been in first place sort of this entire season. I think if the Celtics end up with a one seed, just nationally, the the bigger like narrative will be like you know did the Cavaliers collapse? Are they in trouble? More than like uh, can Boston really pull off this one seed thing? I I don't think it'll be the perception will be that. So to some degree, in my mind, the pressure will be off. I, I agree, too, because it's not like we're a 60-win team, and we're going to win about the same number of games as we expected, somewhere in the 50 to 55 range. So um, I, I, don't think any, I don't think we're showing that we're anything more than we thought we were going to be, and it's just that Cleveland faltered, so we ended up with the number one seed by default if that happens. But um, the other thing was with the LeBron thing. I mean, I don't understand why their defense is so bad all of a sudden. Um, I, don't, I haven't read enough about it or understand enough of about defense, I guess, to understand other than effort why they're not playing defense at all, why they're not playing defense in transition since the All-Star break. Um, but I, I do think that when it comes down to the playoffs, Tristan Thompson is going to kill us up front, and, and LeBron is going to get – LeBron is going to go to the line. You know, he's going he's to put his head down and go to the line, and they're going to give him the calls, and that will be our undoing until we get bigger and tougher and better next year. 
But my Lakers question for for uh, Calvin. Okay, so I wanted to um, talk to you about the Lakers as well. So this is this is going to be fair, Vic. Yeah, um, you know, I have a great deal of respect for Mitch Kupchak. I always thought he was a great GM. I was actually kind of hoping that he would get tossed out because I think very highly of him. But today I did hear on a radio station in L.A. that um, he was the person behind the, the Mozgov and um, and Luol Deng signings. And I was a little bit surprised because I thought those were terrible signings. And I was just wondering how you thought about Kupchak and why, what was the thinking behind making those uh, those signings? Yeah, the thing about the thing about Kupchak is that like he's uh, he's a very good drafter. Even though the Lakers also have like a good scouting department, like uh, the Lakers seem to get good good picks like late in the first round sometimes, or like you know second round guys. Like we uh, we got Zubac pretty uh, late, I think twenty seven. Uh, so he's done a good job in when when it comes to that, and even even when it comes to trades i think he's pretty successful but the the problem is is that he's like so he's so bland and so like contrary to to this sort of idea that lakers fans have been sold on which was that like once kobe bryant retires uh or you know once the lakers get out of salary cap hell that they they're just going to be this oasis destination for nba free agents and you know the glitz and glamour blah 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 the problem is, is that like Kupchak is so not charismatic as a speaker and like as somebody who's trying to recruit free agents to Los Angeles that like no matter how much he actually had to do with uh, guys like Lamarcus Aldridge saying no to Los Angeles after being interested in in it and like other people no, no matter how much of that was on Kupchak specifically there there have been articles and stuff coming out about how like he's he's really bad as a pitch man and as a guy trying to convince free agents to come and I think. That's what doomed him, and so what what happened with Mozgov and Lou Alting is because the Lakers had you know three years in a row of trying to secure free agents and failing. Uh, there was a sort of panic about them being unable to get anybody again for the fourth straight year, and they signed Timothy Mozgov on the first like like right after midnight as soon as free agency started, just so that they would like have a quote win. And the Mozgov signing is yeah, it's bad by itself. But when you add in the extra fact that, like, he didn't sit and see what the market was, like, I, he just assumed that the market was going to be high for Moscow when, like, he's a center and people don't pay centers. And, you know, the same thing for Dang. Dang got signed super early, too, to too much money, and he also didn't make sense uh, considering who the players were on the roster because he can't play with Randall or Nance. So it didn't make sense to sign either. He's more of a small ball, you know, four now in Miami. That's what he was. Uh, he was good last year at that, but he's not good as a small forward, and that's what they tried to make. He tried, they tried to turn him back into that, which he, he doesn't have the speed at this point in his career to still play that. Kupchak didn't show, like, the foreknowledge on, on either one of those, and I think it has to do with the, the fact that he, like, hasn't been successful in getting free agents, and he sort of felt the pressure on him, and that, that pushed him into two bad signings. So I'm not sure he would have done that if, it was, if he hadn't have had those unsuccessful years in which is, like, the first time he was – uh, making a pitch to free agents, but he did, and here we are. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how how the Lakers thing. It's always a saga, so it's you know they're they're other than Boston for me, they're definitely the most interesting team to follow. And and I, I kind of felt like the like Jeannie Bus didn't get enough um, of the flack for the Kobe signing, which you know she seemed to stand behind and defend, and and I thought that was an error on her part. So I, I'm interested to see how the Polinka. And bus. I'm sorry. The Polinka and Magic show goes. So um, let me ask you this, anyways. Sam. 
uh, have you had because because we had this you know uh, debate on the Celtics post game show about Jalen Brown versus Ingram and it's something you've been interested in. Have you have you noticed at all what what Ingram has been doing lately? Because he sort of seemed to have turned a corner a little bit. He's been averaging like 16 points a game on like 53% shooting over the last 10 or so, which is granted is not a huge sample size. He's hurt right now, but he's been doing things like you know flying dunks on people. He dunked on uh, what did he dunk on? I want to say Brook Lopez. I don't remember, but he no Alex Lynn. He dunked on off the dribble. He dunked, he's like he's done he dunked on several people. He's like all, all Alex of a sudden, Lynn. He's come a on, lot better. come on. Alex Lynn is seven feet tall. He he dunked like three okay. of his body. He like carried him in the air. I'm not saying Alex Lane is a crazy defender. I'm, I'm not. He wasn't one of those dunk on where like Alex Lane wasn't looking and then he turned his dunk on him. He was like in front of him mm-hmm. and he carried him all the way to the basket. Anyway, the point is, he's played a lot better lately, and I, I was just curious to know if you happen to have seen any of his work or have heard about it or what what's the conversation like with that. Any of his work, that, like he's an actor. <laughs> yeah, ahead, I have Sam. heard. I, I mean, I I have seen and I have heard that he's playing better. And I just wanted to correct one thing. I, I didn't actually say that that I thought that the Celtics wouldn't take Ingram over Brown, even if you did it right now. I, I, I'm not saying that at all. What I was saying was that um, was that as well as Brown was playing um, and as badly as Ingram was playing, um, basically that that um, how can I put this? That that Ingram. That Ingram was no lock to be better than Brown with what he was showing, basically. Um, but I, I don't think we're going to know for a few years anyway. So um, as you can see, some of these rookies from three years ago all of a sudden are emerging, and, and you just never know how it's going to turn out. So I, I don't think necessarily that the two versus the three pick will turn out better. But Ingram is definitely playing better. He he does he does have a lot of length, which is great. Um, he looks really sleepy all the time. That's the only thing that uh, that's interesting to see. Yeah, I mean also. Yeah, he has the he has the right. Tracy McGrady eye thing, and I I think that that sort of uh, it cr- it creates like a, an image about him. But I mean, it, it the same way he did about McGrady, right? That he like didn't care that much. Or but but if you watch the the way that he plays basketball, I I think it's just a thing about his face. But yeah, he, I, I don't a, think, he makes mistakes, but I don't think he doesn't care. And you can see the talents there. It, it's it's just I think the I think the Durant comparisons weren't fair to him because I I don't think he doesn't look like Durant out there. I mean physically he does, but he doesn't move in the same way. Um, so I think he's going to be a different type of player. But hey, actually one last thing, guys, and I'll take this off the air because this last question here. You know I know Fultz and Ball are considered the top two picks right now, um, but. Um, Generally, the best players that win titles are either big men or they are wings. And so it's interesting to see that the top two players um, are guard or point guards. When I think Josh Jackson is the third guy. I, I want to say he's a small forward. But um, he is. is – so isn't that a player that, that in the long run – as I, I've seen that Jackson seems to be kind of moving up and closer to those top two guys. Is Jackson not – a guy who may turn out to be better than those two in terms of title hopes. I mean, it seems like that's the position that is the most important to a championship team and the most difficult to acquire. Thanks guys. Go Celtics. Bird, do you want to talk first on this or do you have a, no, you should, you should go, you should go first. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not like the biggest NCAA basketball fan in the world, but like I've seen a couple of his games and I've seen, uh, a little bit of pulse in a lot of Lonzo Ball because I'm a UCLA fan, but um, 
Yeah, I I agree with you. I think I think Josh Jackson is is awesome, and I actually sort of think that he's going to be better than Lonzo or Fultz too. And the reason why is because like I feel like he's already really good at defense. Where he he's like, whereas Lonzo has the potential to be good at defense because he's six seven and he's he's you know got quick feet and he's sort of a good shot blocker and stuff. But he's also somebody who uh, doesn't have the greatest defensive instincts. And the same thing with Fultz is where, like, he he doesn't have great defensive instincts, but he's got, like, a big, solid point guard body. Um, but, like, Josh Jackson seems, like, ready-made already, and he sort of seems... I, I guess the, my, the one thing holding... I don't know if it's holding me back or it's, like, positive, but Josh Jackson kind of reminds me of Andrew Wiggins. And so, like, they, they, like I guess they both went to right. Kansas, but, like, similar, and you know similar what? body is... type... This is this is the way that that the league is going, isn't it? I mean, it's it's uh, they they're going for the bigger wing, and Jackson's like six foot eight, something like that, and he can shoot the ball and it, uh, a little bit anyway. And he's athletic and he's long and he plays defense, and that's the way that teams the teams go. And to me, it, I've been I've been on a roller coaster as far as Isaiah Thomas is concerned. I'm like I, at one point during the season, I was calling for him to be traded because his value would never be higher, et cetera, et cetera. Like I've I've been so gone so far to say now that that he uh, is definitely the most important player on the Celtics, and, and but but still not yet in my mind an MVP of the league. Uh, but to me, you you need to you need to find the guy that, that is going to make your team better by, by a long shot. Right. So Thomas is looking great for the Celtics. If you're looking at the draft from a Celtics point of view, I don't even think that they really want a guard unless that guard is far and away better than the next player on their list that they're looking at. So if if one of these these guys that's six foot eight and can handle the ball and plays some good defense like Josh Jackson uh, is is there for the Celtics wherever they pick, I think they're going to take a long look at a guy like that because yes they have Jalen Brown but that's the position that they're always trying to improve and that's the direction that the league is going as well. Point guards are are great and traditional centers like Alex Len can be great. Not that he is, he's not. Uh, but the league and Dan, uh, GMs like Danny Ainge seem to start to go after that that athletic player that can do it all, the utility guy that has potential to turn into a superstar, and that's to me that seems to be what J- J- Jackson or Jackson is compared to the other guys, just because of his size and his, the potential there is is a lot greater. So when you're when you're drafting, mm-hmm. I think you want to yeah. ta- you want to look at a guy that you think is more ready for the league and has the combination of that plus potential. And to me, I don't know, Jackson's a good – a good. I'm not saying he should be number one, but if you're looking at a 2-3 and something like that, which is where the Celtics likely will be will be sitting, and maybe he can be an upgrade over Jalen Brown, go for it. Yeah, I think the thing is is that Lonzo Ball is 6-7 and uh, Michael Fultz is 6-4. So it's not like they're, like, they're no, not small. Yeah. No, but Lonzo is one inch smaller. Granted, he's like he's got a more wiry frame. He does seem so. The thing I didn't know how tall Ball was, and we're going to get into him and his father in a second. But uh, just watching him, he seems smaller than the other two. Well, if you he seems smaller than Fultz because if you watch no not not than Fultz, smaller than Jackson and smaller than than uh, just I don't know 
pretty much anybody else on the court. He looks he looks thin is what I'm trying to say. He needs to bulk up a little bit, and I'm sure he will when he gets to the NBA. But for now, I'm just I'm not sold on him, and we'll get to him in a second. Yeah, but if you, again, if you watch his games, he's he's somebody who like catches a lot of alley oops as well, which is like not something you would see Isaiah Thomas do. You know what I mean? He's definitely somebody who can sky up above the rim, and he he's got that because of his he's got long arms and he's got height. So he's not he's not a traditional point guard. I I have issues with Lonzo Ball as well, um, which we can talk about maybe when we get closer to the draft. We can talk about that a little. Or we can talk about it right now. I don't care, but. Well, we're really going to talk about his dad. But uh, I do wonder, though, let me ask you this question. Let's say the Celtics get the number one pick, okay? What do you think the odds are that the Celtics trade Isaiah Thomas in the offseason to get the number one pick? Because... See, that's part of the roller coaster I've been on with him. Yeah. Go ahead, because what? Yeah, if they get Markel Fultz, do you think, do you guys really think Isaiah Thomas is like a guy who's sort of as passionate and hot-headed as he is, and yes, he's a team player. But do you think that he'll be happy knowing that, like, they just drafted their guard of the future as Isaiah's going into the final year of his contract? That he's just going to play out that final year and like, not wonder if the, if the team's going to bring him back or, like, he's going to just be fully committed and there's going to be no questions going into the next season? Or it, it's probably more likely to sort of cause some issues, right? Oh, it always causes issues. Look at Teague and Schroeder yeah. down in Atlanta. They they had to try and deal with that. It didn't work out. Teague is shipped off. Uh, it happens all the time. And it's not just point guard. It's it's center. It's powerful. It's every position. It's any any position in any sport. You think Tom Brady's not looking over his shoulder every day because Jimmy Garoppolo is there and everybody in the media thinks so highly of him and the Patriots think so highly of him as well? Tom Brady is a Hall of Famer. He is going to go down as the greatest quarterback to play the game until somebody else surpasses him. And he still looks behind his shoulder every day because there's a guy that's waiting to take his job. Isaiah Thomas would do the same exact thing if the Celtics were to draft, draft Markel Fultz. And that's why I think that they are starting to like him more. And in my mind, I'm starting to like him more as a, as a key piece to a team, but doesn't have to be the guy. So if you can find another player like Josh Jackson, like Tatum from Duke, who knows? Maybe maybe they, they like Jonathan Isaac out of Florida State. My guy, right? Any of these guys have been talked about as potential franchise-altering players. And uh, obviously the, the two or three at the top are better than Tatum and Isaac. And as you get down the list, it, it's not as good. But the point is I- that... I think I think the Celtics are starting to believe in Isaiah Thomas, so they would lean towards a guy like Jackson if they thought he was just as good as or maybe a little bit lesser of a player than a Markel Fultz or Alonzo Ball. And that's where Danny Ainge, if he does that, he's going off the course of what he used to, what he usually does and just take the best player on the board regardless of their position. Uh, but I just I feel like the the potential of Jackson to me to fit into to like a small forward type of situation in the NBA is, is greater than the other guys, obviously. And that's, that's where the Celtics have the greatest need. Yeah. I actually think that it's less of an issue if they draft Lonzo ball because he is six, seven, because he is a catch and shoot guy as well. And And a guy who, yeah, he's not a guy who like necessarily holds the ball always for extended period of time. Like he's, he's less of a trade. Yeah, exactly. He's he's more of a like traditional pure passer than 
uh, a guy like Fultz who is a guy who, like, you know, he dribbles. Like, Isaiah's a dribbler as well. You know what I mean? He's a dribbler. So I, I, I do actually think that both the ball would fit pretty well with the Celtics, even though that might not be what you want to hear. But anyway. No, I mean, uh, I'm listen, I'm okay with the player. I just I think that he needs to bulk up a little bit to, for his size. He's, I mean, I'm looking at, a, a uh, let's see, this is a CBS Sports Prospects ranking, so forget about the rankings, but it's got their height and weight, and they're saying ball 6'6", 190. And to me, that's – it's not going to cut it in the NBA. I know there are guys out there that are that are probably close to that, but when you're that tall, if, unless you're playing point guard every day, you're going to get pushed around by guys that are a lot bigger than that. So he's going to have to bulk up, as as all of these guys are. Of course, they're just college kids, so we'll see what yeah. happens hey. when they get to the league. But if he's going to play anywhere other than point guard in the league, then he, he definitely needs to bulk up quite a bit. Uh, I I think I feel like he could play two and be fine, to be honest with you, because he's got really long arms. I feel like he could block a lot of shots. Like with with the decline of post ups, I wouldn't. I'm not too worried about. It depends because he's not. You know, we were talking about Ingram. He's not Ingram skinny. Like Ingram is like, you know, six ten, six eleven, one ninety. That's like that's that's like too much, right? Right. Like yeah, that's way too much. Like yeah, like maybe he needs to put on like like ten pounds and he's fine. I don't think he needs to. I don't. I don't think you have to worry about about ball spraying too much. But anyway, uh, I do think that you have to worry. I actually don't. Also, don't think you have to worry. But I just wanted to transition. But what do you think about all this Lavar Ball stuff? Because he's been all over the place lately in the media, uh, saying that he could beat Michael <laughs> Jordan in a game of one on one. Yeah. Saying that his son is <laughs> like when when Curry. when Jordan was on Orlando like two weeks ago like what are we talking about here when did when did you beat Michael Jordan Mr. Ball? I, maybe maybe he means right now because he might be able to beat yeah, him right he now. Could. Right? Maybe he, he could maybe he could maybe he could maybe Michael's been up in the executive suite having some shrimp cocktail yeah. and 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 a meatball sub and some 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 uh, crab cakes or something up I, there yeah, with a I, with a nice with a nice uh, Sam Adams. Maybe that's what he's doing up there. Maybe he's indulging every single night, and he can't play basketball anymore. Who knows? I, I bet you uh, Michael's gotten soft. Yeah, I'm just going to call it out. Little pudgy. All right, so, yeah, so, yeah, he's gotten a little soft. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying he doesn't, have the, he doesn't have the same will to win. Yeah, set his son Are you trying to say that you could beat Michael Jordan one-on-one? Well, the thing is, is that, like, Michael Jordan's significantly taller than I am. So I feel like I would have a hard time, even with slowed down Jordan. I'm, I guess maybe I could get around him for like layups, maybe if he slowed down enough. But I feel like he'd be able to like block my shot if he, did, if he can just get off his feet. Yeah, Michael Jordan anyway. would would kill me one on one. He would. Yeah. I would probably be sitting on the ground before he got to seven points. Forget about eleven. Like that's. We're not even going there. We're, we should just Michael Jordan and I can play a game to five because I would probably get beaten up so much in those first five points. Yeah. So he says his kid is better than Steph Curry right now. Um, he's been on ESPN a lot. He's been on first take, you know, yelling back and forth with Stephen A. Smith. Uh, a lot of ESPN people are angry because they're like, oh, you, you know, you're disrespecting the game. Fans are mad at this guy, saying like, you know, why are you giving this guy a platform? Like, who cares? Uh, he got in a fight with LeBron because he said that like that it's it's got to be difficult. It, he said it's, it's got to be more difficult to be LeBron LeBron's son than his son 
because of the expectations of playing under LeBron. And sort of LeBron got mad about it and said, you know, how do you, how do you know how hard it is for my son? Yeah, you know what? I tend to side with LeBron on this one, believe it or not. It's pretty rare that I side with LeBron on anything. But LeVar Ball is just a talker. Uh, I don't I don't care about him going to the media and talking about his son and, and pumping him up and saying how great he is and how he's going to be the next best thing and then UCLA is going to win the national title. Uh, what Has he said anything about that recently since, since he's claimed that and they've been knocked out? I'm not sure, but regardless, he can say whatever he wants about all that. He can say whatever he wants about where his son should be drafted. He can say whatever he wants about his big baller brand for his son. I, that's fine with me, but – I think he does cross the line a little bit when he starts to discuss the family of other people that he doesn't even know and put them out there in, in, in the media. So LeBron, while usually is a, is a sensitive guy, maybe he's being a little sensitive at this moment as well. I'm with him on this one. Keep the family out of it. If you want to talk about LeBron in general and say that your son is better than Steph Curry, better than LeBron James, all this stuff, I'm sure that he would have had nothing to say and he would have just – laughed it off but I, I i i can't say that i know where he's coming from but i i think that i would understand uh and, and maybe feel the same way if if the same thing were to happen to me you know what i mean so if lebron is a sensitive guy he's a family guy don't talk about his family in the media that it's it's not a big deal to to outsiders but to him it is so i don't blame him for that Mm, I do blame him for that. It, and the reason I blame him for that is because I think, it, look, it'd be one thing if he was like, you know, LeBron is an NBA player who, who's not there to raise his kids all the time. And this is a hypothetical thing. If, you know, I'm just saying if he said this. He's not there yeah. to raise his kids all the time, so his kids are likely to become jerks. That's, then, then, yeah, that to me is crossing a line because you're, like, you're demeaning his kids. But all he was, all he was talking about was, like, the, the difficulty of expectations when your father is LeBron, as opposed so to what are, the but what are those expectations? Though I don't, do you think that his kids? It's not like LeBron is putting those expectations on his kids, at least publicly. No, it's like not, LeVar Ball no, 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 is. So it's, he seems a little hypocritical to me there because he's putting those not, expectations on his his sons in the public eye. LeBron doesn't do that to his kids. It's other people that might expect that from them. No, it's not LeBron. It's not LeBron or LeVar Ball. I can say LeVar for a second. It's society, right? Because Le, uh, LeBron's a kid, you know, since they've been in six, seven, oh, grade, it's like LeVar they Ball. Have... No, no, it's soci- society, again, yes, but again, it's also LeVar as, Ball. As, Don't exclude him from society in this point. You well, can exclude I, LeBron no, I, James from putting pressure on his kids in, in in the public eye, but LeVar Ball is definitely doing it. No, because LeVar Ball's point is, like, it must be tough to be LeBron's kids because of the pressure they feel as LeBron's kids. And to his point, LeBron's two kids, oh, one one is, like, committed to Kentucky and the other one's committed to Duke as, like, from the age of, like, 12. You know what I mean? That's pressure. That's pressure to be successful. And like, one of them is named LeBron James Jr. That's That's literally the only point he was making. He was, like, he was comparing them to his kid and saying, like, you, because people were like, oh, you're putting a lot of pressure on your son. And he was like, well, you know, there's got, there are people out there like LeBron's kids. Like, they have to feel a lot of pressure. And whether or not you agree with that, but, I don't think that's the same thing as, like, slandering them as human beings. No, he, I, was, I wasn't saying about, he was slandering the family or anything like that. But why even bring it up? Why not just retort and say, well, 
I, I believe in my kid and I, it doesn't matter what, what sort of pressure you feel that I'm putting on him. He can handle it. And that just something like that. You don't need to bring somebody else's pressure situation into it because I, I feel like it's two totally different situations. LeVar Ball is actually putting pressure on his child in the media, which is not a huge deal. The kid can handle it. He's, it's, he's not like he's crumbling or something under the media pressure. He, he can clearly handle it. Uh, but clearly. and LeBron, LeBron is just inherently putting pressure on his, his kids because he's LeBron James. He's not doing it on purpose. It's just happening yeah. because of who he is. So LeVar Ball is, is actually acting to add to the pressure that is on his kid. If he just sat back, he, who knows if Lonzo Ball would even be a, a guy that we're even talking about. Maybe we would be talking more about Josh Jackson. Maybe we'd be more talking about an actual game in the Final Four and maybe the run that South Carolina is on or something like that. But instead we're talking about Lon, Lonzo Ball because his dad is making noise about him. LeBron James doesn't go around saying that his kids are going to be the next LeBron James or the next Steph Curry or anything like that. People just expect it because of who he is, and that's that's not his fault. No, but nor nor did he like claim that LeBron would be failures. He was, if anything, he was he was empathizing with their, their position. Now you can say why did he say it, and he and you or you could say like you don't like the analogy in comparison to his own kids, but certainly like you you can see the logic behind the point he was trying to make, which was like in response to to criticism about himself. And whether it, sure, you know, sure. That, but but I, I thought that, that this was, was like, a, this was about whether we were blaming LeBron James for for his reaction, and I, I don't blame him oh for no. that at all. Well, look, he, he look, he has a right to be sensitive about like how he's raising his kids. You know, I, I think that he probably took it the wrong way, and that's I guess that's where I'm coming into play. But I also don't think like I also don't think it's it's a terrible thing for LeBar Ball to say because he wasn't if he was insulting LeBron's kids in some way, then I would then I would agree with that point. But I I, I really think. LeBron is so sensitive to like references to himself, and he's he's looking for extra. He's such a like, and he literally said, you know, keep my kids' names out your mouth. Like he is right. that person who like he like when people uh, yeah, reference I, LeBron. I I agree with you on that one, but I think there's a point where he 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 is in the right here because, uh, I mean, I don't know. I just I don't see the comparison that that it's not a direct comparison. Okay. I understand the logic behind it, but. That he was asked about himself, and he could have deflected in a different way. And yeah, LeBron is sensey about a lot of things, but that's, okay, I, that's I think fine. that's his right in this in this point. But uh, I have another so thing on, on Lonzo Ball and Lavar Ball quickly, because okay, go ahead. Sam Sam just texted me, uh, and and says Laker fans can't have can't bear the thought of Lonzo Ball in a Celtics uniform. And to that, I immediately thought, well. Supposedly, according to LeVar Ball, Lonzo Ball can't bear the thought of him in a Celtics uniform either, and all he wants to do is play for the Lakers. So while on one side I say all this noise being created by LeVar Ball shouldn't be a distraction if you like the player and if the player uh, assures you that, that he can ignore the noise during the regular season, but in the long term, do you risk, as anybody other than the Lakers, do you risk your long-term four to five year future on a guy like this. And, and, and in thinking that he may just walk away after his three-year contract, his rookie contract and sign with the Lakers. Cause that's just where he wants to be. Is that something that would concern you if you were a, a, G, a GM in the NBA? Because it's starting to, I, mean, I don't know. 
I'm starting to wonder about it at least. I don't know if I would call it a concern yet. Not at all, because one, because of this new CBA structure, it's going to be really difficult for players to pull that move. And, and what, yeah, like maybe at the end of their second contract is what we're talking about when he's like 27, 28. But by that time, if he at all likes being in Boston, like let's say Boston drafts Lonzo Ball and he's good the entire time, and like by, by that point he's going to be so entrenched with the franchise he's going to have that he likes. Like it's hard to imagine, unless again there are other issues. That like other reasons why he already might want to leave Boston, then then it becomes like yeah, L.A. is the place I want to go to. But it's really, but really the first point is like I want to leave Boston. So like this Paul George situation, it's like yeah, he might be talking about hey, I want to go to the Lakers. But like point A of that conversation is I don't want to be in Indiana. You see what I'm saying? Like that's right. where it has to start. And because he's been there so long, he's he's got to like feel like the franchise isn't going anywhere or have some sort of issue that's going to cause him to want to leave. I think that's, that has to be the case with almost any any like young player going to a place. But with, the, with the way the NBA structured at this point, that's sort of how it has to be in my mind. All right. As usual, but, Calvin with a counterpoint. Where do you want to go next here? Well, real quick, though, on, on, on uh, LeVar Ball. Ultimately, like, what do you what do you come down on? Do you, do you like the fact that he's out there saying his outrageous things? Or do you think, do you think it's like somehow terrible that he's getting this public forum because I think it's entertaining. I don't have a problem with it at all, but some people are like, oh, he's a bad influence on his son. He's a yeah. bad influence. But to me, like, I, no. I, well, first of all, I like villains, right? Yeah. Like, especially, like, fake sports villainy. It's awesome. It's like, you want to hate LeVar Ball? I don't blame you. Like, that's awesome. To have like a, And you can hate him without it, like, him being, like, a wife beater or something. You know what I mean? You can right. hate him for, like, a purely enjoyable reason. You can just love to hate him instead of like hating him for being a terrible person, and that to sure. me is that's a fun thing. He talks too Why much because for yeah. whatever reason, any yeah, any any inane reason, sure. Yeah, so I I love him and I I think that he, yeah I think he's great and entertaining. And now look what Lonzo just came out yesterday and said I'm better than Markel Fultz. And like I love it. I want to hear guys. I want to hear Fultz come out and say no. You know what? I'm better than Lonzo Ball. Have you, did you see what he did in the tournament? I would have done way better with UCLA. That's hmm. what I want from athletes. Talk yeah, track. you know what? I, 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 as far as his father's concerned, I could take it or leave it. I don't really care. I think that he's he's just loudmouth, and it's not adding anything. It, it doesn't. I mean, I, I don't find it really that entertaining. I think he's just just a talker, you know, and he just blah 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 blah. Whatever. Thank you very much. I'm more focused on the player when it comes to stuff like that. So if the player can can ignore it and actually believe some of the stuff himself, then maybe he will be a better player because of it. Uh, but I, I, I just, I don't. I think his father's gonna gonna shut up when it comes to the NBA, because you know what? At that point, your son is an adult. He's getting paid to play basketball. He's part of an organization. He is gonna. He and and you as an extension are are gonna have to comply with whatever that organization really asks of you. So I, I just, I kind of would be surprised if this continued for very long into Lonzo Ball's career if at all into his career, because uh, the just, I mean, sure. LeVar Ball may be in the spotlight. He may be still doing interviews, what have you. uh, But I just, I think it's just going to be more noise for people to ignore. And I don't think that anybody in the NBA is really going to take it seriously. So I I just, I think he's got to get it all out now and let his kid go play basketball and earn his money and earn his paycheck. And at that point that his play will speak for itself and I don't think LeVar Ball is going to have to be doing any of the talking. So 
we'll see what happens going forward, where he gets drafted and all that. But ultimately, Calvin, all the, the noise coming out of his mouth is going to get ignored when he gets to the NBA. All right, fair enough. What is next, Ray? I don't know, man. Yeah. You tell me. Is it the it's Sacramento Kings? Is it is it the Noah suspension? Yeah. Or do we move on to no, no, the NFL? We have half an hour left. About, yeah, we got to squeeze some in here. Let's talk about NBA rest because it's been like a big issue lately. And so uh, it, it was because uh, we didn't do a show last week, and so I want to talk about this because it was like the big story in the NBA for a week. Uh, the Cavaliers and Warriors were going to play uh, two Saturdays two Saturdays ago. The Warriors arrested all their starters, so did the Cavaliers. National TV game, uh, it was sort of an embarrassment for the league. It was like one of the worst national TV games ever. Uh, so, you know, Adam Silver has come out and said, like, that owners have to do a better job of, like, getting their coaches and, and players to, to follow the protocol where, like, they, they're going to have to report when a player is not going to play, like, farther ahead of time. And, you know, there's been some pushback with this. What do you what do you think about this issue, Ray? Do you think this rest do you think this resting is like really a problem and we've gone too far in resting <laughs> NBA players? Well, if they were anything like the NFL, they wouldn't care because the the NFL lets the players rest in week seventeen. The fantasy season has adjusted because of it. NFL fantasy championships are in week sixteen very often. And the NBA fantasy championships are happening right now in most most cases. So it does happen a, a little bit early and the fans have adjusted for it. Uh, and the big complaint here coming from the league is that fans that pay a lot of money for tickets uh, are getting there and their favorite players are not playing and they've been planning for this all season and it's their one time. Well, to that, I would say uh, I, maybe I'm wrong and I don't have the numbers. I, I'm not in the league office. Of course, I just, I feel, I find it hard to believe that the majority of their fans are fans like that that are showing up to, to one game a year to see their favorite players and uh, are, are disappointed because that player is not playing. I feel like the majority of people that go to NBA games are, are people that are truly fans of the team uh, and they've seen these players before. And sure, it's, it, you might have a team or a fan that's, that's a fan of – the Clippers or something living in Boston and it's his only chance to see Chris Paul or, or a fan of the, the Cavs that lives in any city and their only chance to see Irving and, and LeBron. Well, you know what? That's, that's more to, on the league to me with scheduling and the, the coaches and the GMs and the managers are, and the owners and, and the players themselves should be the ones that decide when they sit, who they sit against. National TV shouldn't be involved. I don't, I don't care if a guy feels like he needs to rest then fine, announce it a day ahead of time. But what happens if somebody tweaks something in shoot-around? Then they have to pretend that they're going to play, and you get penalized if they don't. I just I don't like the slippery slope that that could go down, and I, I think that they should just let it be, try to improve the schedule, and hopefully as you do that, less guys will take rest. Great. This topic is so funny to me, and this is why I wanted to talk about it, because – this and again, forgive me if this sounds insensitive, but this this debate about rest to me is is it's like the same as the debate about gun control. Like nobody ever talks about gun control until some sort of tragedy happens, and then like everybody starts talking about like, well, what do we you know what do we do about guns? And then sort of the fervor from whatever tragedy happens dies down, and you know 
gun things still happen on a daily basis, and but like nobody cares about those things because they're minor things, right? The same thing happens from the NBA. No, there, there are players who get rested, like literally throughout the entire season. It happens all the time. Nobody cares. Nobody says anything. Rest was not an issue at all all season. But because it happened one national TV game that was like particularly egregious, all of a sudden it's this big thing. Like, oh, what are we gonna do about rest? Well, you didn't say that. You know, when LeBron sat against the Jazz on October, you know, I guess not October, November 21st. It's, right. it's like such a fraudulent topic to me. It's only it's only an issue when it's this big national TV game and, like, sports writers all of a sudden decide to pick up on it again. When, like, you, there could be an article written every week about players taking too much rest. Like, that is the Yeah, and another thing is, how, how, do you de- how do you determine what is rest and what is healing? Because... Like, what about a guy like DeMarcus Cousins or a guy like Devin Booker? He, he's, he scored 70 points against the Celtics the other night. He's out tonight for an ankle situation. How do, how do you know that he's not just taking a rest? I know he's a young kid. Uh, and, I mean, but that is another factor. Where do you draw the line? Is it only players over 30 that are, uh, not, that are well, allowed to take a rest and anybody under 30 can, can, can never rest? Like, I don't understand what's, what the, where the league I, I, would be going with it. Where do you draw the line? It's, that's why they just shouldn't even start. Well, I think that's why Silver put it on the owners to try to be like, you guys have to be, you guys have to hold your people responsible because presumably the owners would be more inside on like whether or not Devin Booker's ankle, in, in your hypothetical situation, like whether or not Devin Booker's, <laughs> Booker's ankle actually messed up or it's a fraudulent injury. I don't know. They but, wait a minute. but wait a minute. Wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't the owners be in the best interest of the team over the best interest of the, the league and the fans? Like why would, wouldn't the owners push back at Silver and say, well, hold on a second, man. Are you, are you trying to get me to cater to the, to the fans in the league? Or are you trying to get me to cater to my organization that I've put my money into and my heart and my and all of my time into? And if if my staff that I trust and I've hired to to go through the the season with me tells me that Isaiah Thomas needs to sit for two games over the weekend because he can't because he can't play? Oh wait, the Celtics just did that. If that's what that's a- goes up to Wick Grosbeck, if it has to go that high. Do you think he's going to say no it, to those people? No, put Thomas out there because Silver says he's got to play. No, I, I still feel like the, the owners are, are going to look back and say, no, wait a minute. The, my my basketball people are telling me that he needs to sit, so he's not going to play tonight, and we're going to focus on going forward. Like, I just no, I don't know where the league would be able to draw the line, so I feel like Silver is just opening a can of worms that he should just leave alone and, and say – are we we leave it up to our teams, and I guess that's what he's doing. But I don't I don't side with him as far as this is concerned. Let them sit but if they have to. There's another side to it, right? And that other side is the fact that like they just signed this huge TV deal. That's the thing that they're pushing these contracts up into the stratosphere. Owners are making more money. Players are making more money. And it's like, look, it's reflecting badly. Who knows how it's going to affect TV deals down the line. Now, it's an isolated incident. But it's certainly, a, if you want to talk about slippery slopes, you can make the, the same argument for slippery slopes going the other way, right? So he has to sort of play both angles sure. at the same time. And owners also have to be cognizant of that. To my mind, again, I think this is a fake issue. I don't think the NPA even cares at all about rest unless it's a high-profile <laughs> situation like this. I think really what Adam Silver was saying to the owners and what like what the coaches should be calling this enough is like they should be more aware of the money-making machine behind this. And even though they can say that's not their job, <laughs> and part of it is their job, and they they probably okay. should 
they probably should try to avoid rest in high-profile situations. Whether or not you want to, and, and the NBA can, can so, help with that by like with, with the scheduling. Don't you know? You know what I mean? Scheduling high-profile games in back-to-back situations. Although sometimes, you know, like with the Cavs, sometimes they rest their guys on the front end of a back-to-back. Sometimes on the back end. So like, what do you? You know what I mean? Right. So, so what do they do tonight? Project that. Yeah, you can't always project that with the schedule. But what what you can do if you're Adam Silver is like go talk to them. You probably can't even do it overtly, but you have to sort of make a plea at least out of the table to be like, look, if this is an ESPN game, if, if the Spurs and Warriors are playing, if if two of the you know best teams in the league are playing, you you might not you know. Or what if, what if you? What well, if you, but then uh, what do you do with a guy like what do you do with a guy like Greg Popovich who's just going to spit in the face of the league and say no, my guys rest when my trainer says they need to rest and that's it, done and done. I don't care about your schedule. What do you do with that? You just keep fining him and he keeps he takes he takes the fine, I guess. Like I don't know. What do you what do you propose? All right, well, I I, I have a, uh, a a larger you know a, a situation that, that would affect the league more, but it it might be more interesting. It it might be effective in in helping decide when you rest players or not. What if you kept NBA, if this became, if this continued to be a problem, in a hypothetical situation where, like, you're silver, you feel like you have to do something, but you, for the reasons you let out, you, you can't, like, directly stop anyone because they can always use the rest excuse. What if you set up a situation where NBA seating is the same, one through eight, right, same way it is now, but home, but home court advantage determined by, by season series between the two teams that play each other? So in other words, like if you're if you're you know the Spurs hmm. and you're playing OKC, you're gonna like think hmm. long and hard about resting your your guys on the night you're playing OKC because they might be your first round opponent. Do you think that? That's so okay, I, I, that's that's fine. That's well, and that's that's really nice. But I'm gonna you I'm like gonna that, refute right? your claim. I'm gonna re- I'm, I already have something for you. I like it oh, yeah, because nice. it, it would work against the top two teams or whatever. But what happens yeah. in those in those fluke situations like this year, where the Chicago Bulls have beaten Cleveland three out of, out of actually let me check the score of that game. It's probably over at this point, and, and I can see if it's if they're four and zero. But going into tonight, the Bulls had beaten Cleveland three out of the three times that they played. So uh, well, what would happen in that situation where maybe the Bulls are the eight seed and Cleveland's the one? Then does does Cleveland Actually, is that game tomorrow or something? Hold on, I'm looking. I'm trying to figure this out. Uh, does Cleveland then go and, and have an away game against the Bulls? Yeah. Well, the, the thing, well, the thing about that is, yeah, you say, well, that, that creates a situation where a team that's like sometimes way worse than the other team ha- has home court. But to, to my mind, that's fine because the reason Chicago is three three and zero against Cleveland is not because they have some advantage against Cleveland. Cleveland is just taking the night off that night. So if they play Chicago in a seven-game series, you can give you can give Chicago the home court all you want. They're still not winning that series. The home court's only going to matter in a series where the teams are Thursday. relatively even. Anyway. Yeah, that game is that game is Thursday. Anyway, uh, yeah. Chicago's three zero, and then the, and Cleveland has a shot on Thursday here. But yeah, that, in in that situation, I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't be relatively no, even or, or what have you. But you'd have to write something into the rule. Is that what you're saying? No, don't write something into the rule because, to my mind, let's say let's say Chicago does beat Cleveland three times in the regular season, then that then that means that that matters a little bit, and it makes that series, even though Cleveland's clearly still going to win, 
right? There's no doubt in my mind Cleveland wins the series against Chicago without home court advantage. It makes it slightly more interesting, and it makes those games where they played each other in the regular season matter just a little bit more. That's what I'm saying. So in, in, in this situation that I described, probably I'm, I'm guessing that Cleveland is resting most of their players uh, either against Western Conference teams that they don't think can make the finals or against Eastern Conference teams that aren't going to make the playoffs, right? You sure. wouldn't. You wouldn't take any night off against a team that you think you might play for the reasons I described. And And that's exactly what the Celtics did with Thomas the other night or the last weekend, uh, resting him against the Nets and Philadelphia and playing him against Washington the very next night. So, you know what, Calvin? Yeah. I think you've got something here. This is not the first time I've said this on on this show. We've done hundreds of episodes together, and you do come up with some good ideas. We just still haven't found a way to get it to the league office. So I yeah, I wonder I wonder how we can get this one to maybe maybe I'll just tweet at the NBA right now and see see if they you want me to just put your idea out there like that yeah or you want to patent it yeah. first no no yeah just tell tell the NBA to hire me I've got a lot of ideas I've got nothing going on right now you know well if you were on Twitter I could tell them but unfortunately you're yeah. not so I don't know I don't know how to tell them who you are yeah. speaking of Twitter ask ask Sam in San Diego what he thinks about that idea. He's listening. Sam, tweet Rory and let him know what you think of my idea. Um, tweet. What, Sam, what Sam has my phone number. He can text me if he wants. Oh, wow. Come on. We're we're buds now. We met in Vegas one have, time. We took a picture together. I think I called you once or twice, and you, for some reason, and you, like, refused to pick up. So the fact that, that <laughs> Sam in San Diego has your phone number is impressive enough, I'd say. You can text me anytime, Calvin. You have my number, too. You know that. Yeah, I know I can text you. I just can't call you. Sam says that you're a genius, despite being a Laker oh. fan. Nice. Thank you, Sam. Right there. In live in live time, right there. Bing, bang, boom. That's how you get things done around here, when the listeners text the host. That should be a new segment of ours. We can get our listeners <laughs> to start texting us. Um, all right. Yeah, so... Uh, there, Joe Kim Noah got suspended. I'm sorry, yes. go ahead. Did you have another thought? Go. No, I was going to say, the, the rest of this we're going to run through because yep. I don't really think there's much to it. So here we go. No. Yeah. Joe Kim Noah got suspended for 20 games uh, for taking a, a banned substance. Apparently there was an investigation by the Players Association, which is like part of uh, what's ha- going to happen in the new CBA that takes place next season. And they determined that he definitely did it unknowingly. Um, we're not sure what supplement it was, but it was a supplement. It wasn't like steroids or something. Anyway, so he wasn't going to play for the rest of the season anyway. So he's manned the last 10 games of the season. The first 10 games of next season, who knows if he's going to play then. He's taking it pretty much with a grain of salt, saying like, yeah, I messed up. Didn't know what I was taking. Yeah, um, he's just not going to get paid, yep. Yeah. But I guess what's interesting to me is like, he's getting suspended for 20 games. But, uh, but under the new CBA, he wouldn't have been suspended at all. He'd just be cleared. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I sort of feel like I guess there's nothing you can do about that. The, no, you it can't. Is, it's it in is, the contract. It's written. And that's just the way it goes. And um, actually, this reminds me, uh, strangely, of a an episode of Pawn Stars that I saw last night uh, where he was explaining that he can't buy a gun that was made after 1899 Uh because of some federal regulation. So if it was made on December 31st, 1898, he can buy it. But if it was made on January 1st, 1899, 
he can't buy it. That's the same type of thing. If if Noah violates the policy today and that's the way the policy is written, then it doesn't matter what the policy is going to be in six months. He violated it today, and unfortunately, that's the way it goes. That's really weird to me that the con- that the the time would be set to 1899 and not 1900. <laughs> For a gun? Yeah, I don't know why they did it that way. That's yeah. the way he explained it. Yeah, you would think turn of the century makes sense because it's like a round number, but 1899, maybe there's, I, I, there had to be some sort of gun advancement, right, at that period of time. It's like, I, would, maybe, I would think, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. In, in I didn't, didn't like, look into it further. Yeah. I sort of feel bad for him, but on the other hand, it's like, how much was how much was Joe Kim Noah going to play next year anyway, right? Going into, like, if you're the Knicks, can you really, like, afford... Yeah, he's just getting with, paid. The, hey, yeah. you know what? Here's a cons- conspiracy theory for you. James Dolan called the NBA and said, hey, you should test Joe Kim Noah so we don't have to pay him. That's a conspiracy theory. New York Post. Boom. Headline. <laughs> Do you think Joe Kim Noah... Joe Kim Noah's on a... He's going to be on the second year of a four-year contract. Does Joe Kim Noah play out said contract with the Knicks? Is he in the NBA in, in three years from the end of the season? I think he might be Pretty in the NBA, but I, I feel like he might get cut. On the Knicks, no. I feel like no, not on the Knicks. At some point, he will get he he will just be asked to leave, uh, and like then maybe out. he gets himself back into shape and he plays a little stint on a, on a winning team and has a, a nice moment in, in the playoffs or something like that. Like uh, so many guys we've seen over the years, having a little bit of a comeback for a, a three to four play stretch during a game in an in a in intense series. But no, it, a extensive look at the NBA, that's not in the cards for Joakim Noah anymore. He he should just uh, look back and appreciate what he's had. Yeah, I'm going to call out retirement by then, but we'll see. Anyway, that's just a quick note on that. Um, Ray, the Kings want to hire Sam Hinkie, apparently, to uh, replace or, or quote, Allegedly. oversee Vlade Dibach. Uh, yeah, allegedly, as as their GM. They deny. They deny, as usual. Yeah, well, you, they should deny because gee, the season's not over yet. I'm. I, I hate this garbage where like a guy has a job. You know, you, you want to fire Vlade, fire him. You want to have this conversation right. like after the season, have it. You, you know what I mean? I'm. Even though I, I've sort of been. I don't know if if like hard on Hinky is the right word, except like, I to, to my mind, I want to say like more more realistic in my assessment of Hinky. I'm sorry. Okay, so wait, do you do you attribute Philadelphia's below average success to Sam Hinky this year or Brett Brown or the players or a combination of any of those or none? Yeah, the the problem is is that Sixer fans uh will immediately come in and say like the things that didn't work are, are the fault of Brian Colangelo. Hinky never would have done them. So now when the Sixers like don't become a success the fact that they traded, you know, Noel away uh, in a trade where they sort of got nothing for him of value, uh, they're going to argue like Hinky never would have done that, which I think Hinky still would have done that considering the fact that he was his contract was coming up. But maybe you can say like Hinky would have managed to get a little bit more for him. I can I can buy that argument considering how much they got for him, and and maybe you say like Hinky's done a good job of uh, of valuing first-round picks in trades sort of uh, slightly ahead of the curve in, when it comes to, like, how the NBA has looked at that and therefore has managed to, like, 
sneak some picks in situations where he's got that Sacramento pick. Uh, he, you know, he got that Lakers pick out of Phoenix. Like those are amazing things, you, you know, vacuum. But, but like on the other hand, you know, decisions that he's made, like, you know, drafting Noel, who was he was coming off the knee surgery, and now like he's at. I, I talked about how he, he reached the end of his rookie contract. How, you know, Joel Embiid now supposedly has to go through uh, knee surgery, and we're not sure how bad it's going to be. It was just reported the other day. Uh, we're not sure, like, what his timetable is, but potentially if the tear is bad enough, he could be out for another eight months. And again, if you remember correctly, next year is the last year of, of Joel Embiid's rookie deal. So, mm-hmm. like, what do you do? You, you're, gonna have, you, you're already in a situation where, like, Sam Hinkie would have been in that same situation with Joel Embiid. Like, Dario so Sarri is... This is, is where I'm confused. Yeah. What are the Kings doing? They know his reputation. They know what he tries to do. He blows up teams. He strips them of all of their decent established players and goes in tank mode and then goes for guys in the draft. And regardless of how you feel about the traje- the trajectory of the 76ers right now, I, I just don't agree with that philosophy. There's a, There are better yeah. ways to do it. The Spurs have been doing it in, in better ways for a long time. Yeah, they got lucky in the drafts with Tim Duncan. They had a down year and they – they grabbed Tim Duncan, but otherwise they do it the right way. The Celtics seem to be building something the right way. I mean, basically anybody that is playing with LeBron James has a chance. So I I understand trying to take a shot and finding that next guy, but year after year, I just don't believe in that philosophy. If you're going to try and find that next guy, I think there are better ways to do it. And there are plenty of teams that have shown that. So the Kings, I just, I don't understand. They were, they were a solid franchise they were a rival of your Lakers, Calvin, and all of a sudden now they're the laughing stock of the league. And what do they have going for them? I, I see basically nothing. Yeah, I don't hate it for the Kings, though. And the reason I don't is because, like, the Kings to me are the epitome. They're, like, the, the, the most obvious franchise that I can think of that, like, would need the Hinky method to succeed. You know what I mean? Like other franchises can sort of build from the middle. Like the Yankee way is not <laughs> like they have the to tank have to and, they, and they don't even know how to do it right. Is well, that what you're saying? Well, what I'm saying is like they're a team who's like hasn't made the playoffs in years, but they also have like not quite been terrible enough to. Ever since the Demarcus, they they picked one player, Demarcus Cousins, and then they were they were bad for eight years. You know, the eight years well, of Demarcus Cousins' career, but they were not bad sure. enough to like. To, to get a top five player. They also drafted bad players. They also exist in the city of Sacramento. It makes it impossible to essentially so, to get all right, in, so, like the so way let Boston fans want to complain about getting free agents. Sacramento's that No, type of yeah, country, I understand right? about that. So let me ask you this then. Let me ask you this. Do you think the okay. Lakers have tanked well or are they currently tanking well? Are they doing it the right way? Um, I mean, not the way that I would like because I'm somebody who like actually puts a negative value to losing beyond like it creates uh-huh. a losing culture, blah, blah, blah. I just yep. think like winning is better than losing period. Like, yep. mm-hmm. the, the idea that it's, I don't, I don't, I'm not like a title or nothing guy. I'm like, I would rather be Houston than the Lakers. That's a more, you know what I mean? That's a better year. I'd rather be Houston than the Celtics. I, no, I understand because, that, but I'm yeah. saying, I'm saying they are tanking. Accept but, that as as what they're doing. Are they doing it the right way? Because some people look at Philadelphia as tanking the right way, and clearly Sacramento has not been doing it the right way. If that's what they're trying to do, a team like Orlando does not look like they've been doing it the right way. 
who are these other teams? New Orleans is struggling right now. Uh, the teams at the bottom right. of the standings, just, they just look like jokes for the most part. I'm asking well, you, the, the of, now that you've embraced yeah, that the Lakers are tanking, do you like the way they're doing it? Well, my point about the Lakers is, like, in a typical tanking situation, if the Lakers were tanking to, you know, get the second pick instead of the fourth, I would be annoyed by it. Okay, because I, I would I would rather them try to like develop these players and and like have them win and try to you know what I mean. I'd rather be them be, but because they're in a situation where it's top three or nothing, they're they're essentially forced to tank as hard as possible. So I have and and they lose a second. Uh, they also lose their 2019 pick if they don't get in the top three, and if they do, that 2019 pick that they give up becomes a second round pick. So I, I, so I'm, if they don't get in the top three this year, they're losing two first-round draft picks. That's like such a dramatic difference that I have, yeah, I have no other choice deal. but to root for them to tank. So they're they're taking the right way, I guess, but only because like they have no other option. That's a, it's a little different than the Kings situation. But with the Kings, fair enough. They, they, yeah, but with the Kings, like they don't have any franchise players. They don't have any like. They don't have any, you know, I guess, unless you want to say Buddy Heald. Like, the Kings' the Kings' hmm. best player is, like, the worst best player on a team in the NBA right now. Right? Like, I can't think of a team. Like, the Nets have Brooke Lopez. So, the, the Kings' best player is the worst best player on any team. Who is the so, Kings' best player? Is it Buddy Heald? It might be Buddy Heald, yeah. Is it is it so, like, uh, Willie Cauley-Stein? It might be. It might be. I is it Rudy, Rudy Gay? Gay before he got hurt? Yeah. That's is what it I'm Tyreek saying. Evans? Like right now? Yeah, I don't know. Great question. In, yeah, in any case, like anyway. they need they need they need talent, and so because they need talent, I think at this point for them to go to the bottom for a couple of years, because because they've been close to the bottom and not at the bottom for so long, they need a hinky like figure to just pull them down into the muck long enough for this team who can't draw in free agents and is stuck with a a roster full of guys who are never going to develop into anything they need they need yeah. some sort of hope Whew, i'm looking at their it. roster yeah. and holy moly i don't even think they have any people uh, they don't have any players that are worth trading for at this point i just i don't i don't see it but, yeah. i don't know what they've done i don't know what they've done anyway we're almost done here speaking of being done um you want to just throw anything out there about the las vegas raiders or should we save that for another time oh we can save it we're good we're going to tuck it away. We're going to put it in the pocket. So you're yeah. going to have to listen to We're us post, next week or the week Probably after or whenever. Never remember to talk about it? Yeah. yeah. Never no, you know what? This, this is going to be a topic for the for the summer right here, the, the Las Vegas Raiders. So we can get into that and, and more next time. Uh, thank you all for listening out there. It's been a fun ride. Thank you, Sam, for calling in. Calvin, talk to you later, buddy. Yes. I didn't hit the Bye, board buddy. at all until tonight or until tonight, until right now. Good night, everyone.